Hi, my name is David. And my name is Robert. And we're here recording episode one of Area 300 podcast. Today we're talking with Glenn Weston. He's a creative director at Wunderman. And some of the topics of today are how to gain a confidence, how to challenge yourself, and how to make a decision and whether or not trust your gut. Because, because gut feeling is a topic that always comes up and you don't know how to approach it. So stay tuned for the next 30 minutes for some awesomeness. Uh, my name's Glenn. I'm English. I moved to Denmark in 1999 uh, with a girl I met when I was studying. We're still together. We're married. Uh, we have two kids. She's a documentary film producer. I have a very kind of strange education. I worked in a bank for three years when I was 16 till I was 19. Then I decided to actually get an education. Um, and round about Four or five years after leaving the bank, I was a qualified school teacher. Then we moved to Denmark and um, yeah, I didn't really want to work in a school. I was always good at writing um, and I luckily landed a job as a junior technical copywriter at an agency called Kunda & Co. I never actually did any junior technical copywriting. Uh, not really. We uh, got busy on other things. It's concept development, campaign development. Um, and uh, all along, the, all of this time, I was also learning to speak Danish. And uh, I stayed at Kunda Co for 15 years. I was partner and creative director there. And then I joined Wonder Man a year and a half ago, February 2016, because I wanted to learn more about the digital kind of world and focus a bit more on that. I needed a change as well. I'd reached the age of 40 and uh, things needed to happen in my life. And I realized that the most dangerous thing that can happen for, I think, anybody, no matter what industry you're in, but particularly this industry, I'd not learned anything for a few years. I'd just been really busy. Um, I'd not actually developed anything. Um, so the opportunity to come to an agency which, was, which had a completely different focus um, and, of course, had... Uh, yeah, it's part of a worldwide network, which, of course, the agency I was at before wasn't. There was lots of things that were very appealing and very new to me, and that's why I'm now sat here today. Yeah, inter interesting story about, about your life, and uh, we would like to ask you about something you wrote on your LinkedIn profile. All right. It's, uh, you said that you like to challenge many beautiful, passionate, creative people. Yeah. How, how do you do that as a creative director? Is that part of your job or is it more like your personal goal? I think it's difficult to distinguish between the two. I don't think, I think that as a creative director, you are bringing yourself to the job. You're not, it's not just a long list of bullet points uh, of, of professional skills. I think you invest an awful lot of your own personality. Um, so I think in terms of what I've done is ultimately I've found a job that lets me be me. I don't leave myself at the door every day and then put on a professional jacket and come in and do uh, certain things. Um, and I'm just uh, naturally kind of curious and naturally interested and I like walking around and talking to people. That's fortunate I found a job where I can do that. So what I mean about challenging and... Uh, Uh, is to try and get things, get people to see things from different perspectives. Often when they've got a brief um, and when they're working from something, they're working in a way that the person who's delivered the brief has already set a direction for them. And of course, that's right. But in order to get to brilliance, you have to challenge it and you have to um, raise some questions. Why? 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 And what I try and do is... Um, is make sure those questions are asked, make sure that 
people, even if they're sat with a very, very basic design uh, task, uh, design a banner, uh, design an invitation, design something that is very, very basic, is not massively conceptual, I still want to ask. I still want to make sure that, um, that the right decisions have been made or that, that thinking has been done. I think that challenging is a, you don't get anywhere if you don't challenge it. Um, so that's kind of an integral part of the job, um, an integral part of developing anything. I mean, you, um, yeah, you're a designer, you know that. Yeah. The other thing is that I think that one of our massive kind of fundamental parts of our job is to sell it as well. So um, whether there's gone like three hours or three weeks between a brief, between a client um, asking us to do something and us uh, returning with a solution, whether it's been three hours or three weeks, a lot of decisions have been made along the way. And you need to get, you need to make those decisions, uh, you need to take the client through why, why it's green and not blue, mm-hmm. why it's uh, a, a complete website rather than just a landing page, why, it's, uh, why we've uh, put film in there and why not. Um, and all of those things are, quite you know those those have taken us quite a long time to get to take those decisions you know those decisions have been made based on brainstorms three four hour brainstorms with five six people in the room they've also been um those decisions have been made on the train on the way to work when you're just suddenly seeing things really really clearly and you need to take uh you need to take the client through all of those so they understand why the solution you're presenting is right is the right one why why this is the best possible answer to their problem or their their challenge and so um i realized along the way that when you don't do that when you're not able to do that when you're so wrapped up in things it's very very difficult for the uh, for the buyer of your product to understand why so there's there's two parts to that answer why i challenged i challenged to get the best out of people but i also challenge so that people remember why they've taken that decision and so when they're sitting there and they're trying to sell it to me or they're trying to sell the idea to the consultant who's uh, who's who's kind of owning the client or whether they're trying to sell it to the client themselves they've got the answers lined up yeah, and actually i think it opens another question um you 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 are making the decisions the decisions yes or no most of the time because you as a director or creative director of things you have the control of saying if this decision from a designer's department is good or if the decision is is bad, right? If I understand it quite well. No, I don't actually. Oh, really? <laughs> I I am probably the first to admit that I don't... I, I have my own taste and my own kind of gut feeling whether something is right or wrong. But if somebody can give me a reason why this is right, I, you know, I, I love to empower... I think the most empowering thing about being um, a member of a creative team is whether you're a designer or an art director or a copywriter is you bring your own expertise to the table. Um, so that's why I don't see my job as being autocratic in any way. I, I see my job as making sure that the headline that the copywriter is, has written is his or her best headline that could be written in that context. Um, it's not whether it's not up to me. It, it, of course, sometimes I can say, "Hey, come on, this idea isn't working. Oh, of course, it's not of course, clear. Of it's not good enough. It's not meeting the brief." But I don't ever. That's the key thing: meeting the brief. 
the brief isn't something that comes from the client. It's not something that comes from the account director either. The brief is something that you develop along the way. But ultimately, I what I love most is being surprised and being shocked and being delighted by somebody's yeah, exactly. uh, so by somebody coming up with something that I've not thought of at all. And that's not going to come if I uh, kind of um, uh, be too overbearing. So I see my job more as a supporter. I'm beneath people. I'm lifting them up. I'm not kind of above them and telling them whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, that's great. And um, and there is another question actually, which opens if when you are trying maybe to lift those people, and when you are when you are um, making those not necessarily decisions, but do you look on them objectively or do you allow yourself to trust your gut or is the combination between them or because you because you said that like you you have the gut feeling sometimes you know that okay this is the right decision but maybe that's not necessarily the most objective one how how do you deal with how do you deal yeah with i think also i'm i think that the gut feeling is not a gut feeling is um comes from everything you've ever experienced that's how you know whether it's right or wrong um, I don't think that it's not like gut feeling isn't like this kind of magic wand radar that people instinctively know whether something is right or wrong. It's based on everything you've experienced. So I think that you have to listen to your gut because you have to listen to what's gone, everything you've, that's, every job that you've done before that's gone right or wrong. But at the same time, so, so you, kind of, it, you kind of know without having to spend three hours explaining it whether it's right or wrong. That, that's, I think, what the gut gives you. But you have to be aware not to go too much with your gut because um, because it is ultimately telling you what has worked before, and that can be a difficult that can be a dangerous place to be because then it's not very daring necessarily or um, or groundbreaking. I don't know. I don't know how to. It's not. <laughs> it's not a. It's not an easy thing to answer. Um, I think that you've got to take it in measures. You've got to know when to listen to your gut and when to listen to something else. When to listen to your fear. And then, then again, if it if it doesn't collide, if it's ego or if it's a gut, yeah, then there is another thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's why I think our job is really interesting because there's no um, there's no rule book, um, and there's also nobody really telling me whether I'm doing something right or wrong, and that's quite a that's a lovely, free, kind of uh, liberating place to be. But it's also quite, I wouldn't say, it can be dangerous as well because you kind of think, fucking hell, I have to bring other people's opinions in. I, I really want to seek out other people's opinions because not because, um, because I just think that I'm, I'm the last person that should be the authority on, on something, whether it's good, whether it's great, whether it's brilliant, whether it's um, a, a really decent piece of design or not. I don't want to be that, um, that kind of conclusive... Um, in Danish, they have a great word, smaisdomer, you know, like the, mm. the kind of person that defines and tells you whether your taste is, is good or not. Um, I, I think that we're all, um, yeah, the, the more kind of opinions and, and uh, ideas we can seek out from others, the wiser we get and the better our ideas become as well. Yeah. So I don't like, <laughs> I don't like to follow any kind of hard and fast rules yeah, of course. apart from um, making sure that yeah, that you've seeked every possible source of inspiration and uh, challenged along the way. Great. But again, 
you you have told us how you challenge others, but mm -hmm. sometimes you need to challenge yourself. As mm -hmm. as as you mentioned before, you know, like when you've been in a company for so many years and you haven't been challenged because you've been just busy. How do you keep doing that? For example, in your daily life or like a job, how how do you challenge yourself? My God, what a question! <laughs> uh, for me, it kind of, I suppose, I'd love to say. Um, I'd love to have a, a, a simple answer to that. I'd love to have a, you know, I go for a, I've got a, I've got a colleague in London, the executive creative director that kind of takes care of 70 odd offices in the whole EMEA region. He goes for a swim every single day in a freezing cold lake in London. I mean, obviously it's not freezing cold in July, but the whole point is that, and he says that keeps him fresh. That, that, that it's like a drug to him that for the rest of the day, his mind is really, really fresh, really, really buzzing. Um, there's little anecdotes like that, I think, keep me fresh because it kind of, it turns around, it, it tells me, what have you done this morning? All right, yeah, I've got two kids ready for school. Great. I've walked a dog, you know, um, but it's pretty kind of run of the mill, pretty kind of routine. I think being inspired by other people is the biggest challenge to me, I think. I, I'm, I'm one of those people who always feel slightly inferior to others. So when somebody comes in and said, hey, guess what I did at the weekend? I just think, my God, your life is so much more interesting than mine. Um, so I'm never content uh, to, I'm never content with what I've got. I've got a, the most beautiful wife, the, the greatest kids. I live in a lovely place and I've got a really, really interesting life. But fortunately, I always feel that, um, that my life is desperately boring. And my routines are the most uninspiring things. So I try, I suppose, to um, to listen to that in a radar when things are feeling a bit boring, and then um, and be inspired by what other people do. So like Ian, who uh, swims in the Serpentine um, at six o'clock every morning in London, uh, that's inspired me every now and again. To I live four hundred meters from the sea, so I go down to the sea every now and again and throw myself in uh, to give myself a bit of a shock. Or I, you know, uh, just do something else, something I don't normally do. I'll go to an art gallery opening or I'll go to, uh, or I'll grab a friend I've not spoken to for ages. Or I'll, uh, I'll read a book of a, a type of genre that I've never read. I'm reading Sapiens right now by this guy. God, I wish I knew how to say his name. But it's incredible. I've never read kind of scientific um, history before. But this is, you know, it's, it's nice. Do something different, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And actually um the the thing that I think is more in the human nature that you always need more. You are you are never satisfied. Because if if you I, I think that once you come to the point that you are satisfied and you don't want to do anything else, you start to stagnating. Absolutely. And that's that's the that's the scariest thing I think for anybody whether you're um, you know, even my dad, he's you know, he's now retired. He's obviously been quite an, uh, an important influence on my life. Um, you know, he's always trying to read stuff that he's not read before or try stuff out. He's started playing golf, classic kind of thing. He's retired now. But I think that that's, uh, yeah, part of the human condition, really. If you don't, you just stay where you are. I remember saying to a guy, when I first got this, kind of moved into this position uh, eight, nine years ago, um, and I remember saying to a guy, the kind of annual appraisal we have this thing in Danish called Moose right where you sit down every year and you talk about how things are going where you're going with your career 
And I just remember uh, sitting, sitting down with him and just saying, fuck, you know, this is, n- nothing's happened since last year. You're too young to be old in your job. You need to, you know, we need to do something for this because this is the saddest thing that could happen. I, you know, I said, I don't, let's, let, we've got to make a plan because the worst thing could be that we sit here in a year's time and still say, yep, just keep doing the same thing. That's, oh, I, I couldn't, that kind of shit scares me. And that, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest shame. I think we have something similar with David as well, because uh, we experience the same thing when we come home to our countries from here. We see exactly those same people doing exactly the same thing as, as when we left. Yeah, it's, it's not very inspiring. It's not very, um, you, progress doesn't come from, from that kind of stagnation and that kind of routine. I think it's necessary. I think some, you know, you have to have that within society. But fortunately, um, and without trying to kind of come over as like a, an intellectual snob or or conceited anyway, fortunately, um, well, that's not me. And um, that's obviously not you either. So <laughs> this works for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also have a section in this, uh, in this podcast that we call it off topic topic, where it's kind of the middle of the podcast and we break everything with an off topic topic. So for today's <laughs> <right>. podcast, <laughs> yeah. uh, the off topic topic is you're a rapper. You're going to record an album. Brilliant. With, with yeah. whom? What's your name and what's the name of the album? My goodness. Right. Great. This is this is absolutely suited to me. You know, I'm a white middle class guy from <laughs> yeah, from from you know, the countryside in England. Um that's to, you know, I am I was born to be a gangster rapper. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think it would be some kind of I think I'd be like I'd, it'd have to be um, like kind of nature and animals. I think nobody, you know, that's a that's an unsourced topic within rap. You know, you've got to have your you got to have your niche. If I talk about guns, if I talk about guns and bitches, then you know, I'd just be sinking into the. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you know, I I go for long walks with my dog and my wife um, at the weekends, and you know, there's some there's some dangerous shit out there. You know, in the forest, there's there's leaves. That you can slip on. There's uh, there's trees, branches that can get have your eye out if you're not careful. Um, and there's some, you know, like every now and again, our dog gets a bit angry with another dog, and there's some, you know, some blood could be spilled. Some tension right there. <laughs> exactly. So I think I think that's the kind of shit I'd be rapping about. Um, and it would have to be rapping with my wife as we were, you know, to to really keep it real again, because yeah. because she's um, she's my bitch. And uh, <laughs> and um, so, what would my name be? Yeah. Oh God. That's, uh, that's difficult. My rap name. My middle name's Dexter. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. Good. Dexter and the family. Dexter and the family of yeah. And rappers these days have got crazy names. Like yeah. you know, when we grew up, or when I was a kid, rappers were called you know like um, Moz Def and uh, uh, yeah. That just shows how many, how few rappers I know. NWA. Well, obviously NWA. What were their names? They were Easy E and all that. Yeah, Easy E. And Dr. Dre. Dr. D. Yeah. Tupac. Biggie Smalls. Notorious B. Yeah. And now they're called like this guy XXXXX Sensation or whatever. Like, how do you say that? And ASAP Rocky. Like, it's just too complicated. There are many. I quite don't get it. Like there are many of those ASAPs. You have ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg, 
Oh, really? There's yeah. loads of them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wouldn't want to be one of them then. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what. Um, my, one of my kind of, he's not really a personal hero, but he's somebody that's kind of followed my own life. We're the same kind of age. And like Liam Gallagher, you know, the, the British um, rock star, the mm. lead singer of Oasis. Um, he was in an interview the other day saying, yeah, I, I dig all that new music and all that. I'm really into WhatsApp Ricky. And they were like, what, who? <laughs> and he thought ASAP Rocky's name was WhatsApp Ricky. <laughs> so if we put that together with Dexter, my middle name, and because most people think I'm a bit of a dick, I'll be WhatsApp Dicky. All right? That'll be my uh, rap, rapping, about, rapping about nature with me bitches. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's actually... <laughs> The best one so far. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, you haven't heard my rap yet. That's yeah. Well, best, we, so we, we hope to to hear your mixtape soon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant question yeah. though. Fucking ace question. Nice one. But uh, I, I guess now moving on to the other part of the podcast is what you have done and what we have done to move away from our countries. That takes a lot of courage, right? And then, for example, for someone like us to approach a company, it would also take a bit of courage. Of, confidence yeah. skills yeah how do you how do you see that or how would you yeah how would you put put yourself in the in the shoes of a brand new student who wants to tackle the you know financial world design world you need courage for that how do you get that courage how do you think you know you get the inspiration to do all of these things i think yeah to, to go back to your first point i don't think i was brave at all in leaving a country where everything was really, really easy and I had a beautiful, seriously gorgeous girlfriend who wanted to move home. So it's actually really easy for me to, to move to Denmark. <laughs> um, the, uh, but, uh, okay, so I meet, I try and have a kind of a rule where I meet two or three people every month. Maybe they're people who are experienced that, that are approaching us for a job. Maybe they're young people straight out of school or still at school that I've come into contact with along the way. And the reason I meet them is because, uh, again, I like to stay fresh. It's really, really nice to spend an hour in the company of somebody's time. Um, but I don't say yes to everybody that approaches us. And the reason I don't is purely because some pe some, the ways that people um, can approach us can just be really uninspiring. Um, I like to be, um, I don't mind if people are in, uh, nervous or a little bit insecure. That's cool. That shows that you're a human being and that you're taking this seriously. And this is something. So you don't have to be in any way kind of brave or, uh, sorry, of course you're going to be brave, but you don't have to be overly confident or kind of give this kind of bulletproof um, uh, impression at all. Um, I think that I would, my advice is, and I gave this advice to a guy that came in two days ago. Um, the reason that he, he, he was, he was one of five people that I got that just dropped in my inbox. And that day there was, He, he stood out massively and I wanted to, I actually invited him in to tell him why he stood out, to kind of say, keep doing that. Maybe you'll never work at Wonder Man, maybe you and I will never work together, but keep, he, he was really good. The reason his work stood out was not only because it was, it was great work, but he also explained it really, really well. He had some really nice, um, well-formulated arguments for why this idea was like it was or why his work, um, and uh, it was concise to the point, really, really clear and really powerful. Um, the other thing about him that really stood out was how humble he was. 
he wasn't. Uh, he 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 must be the top of his class. He must pe- have people every day looking at him, going, "Fucking hell, you're brilliant!" And teachers telling him, "You're brilliant," but he's not let it get to him. He's not let it. Um, he's not become an asshole because of it. And I think that this industry is full of people who, or, or sorry, it's not full of people. It's it's full of some really really lovely people as well. Uh, but it's very very easy in our industry to be a bit of a dick. You're you're you know if you've got some talent. You can earn a lot of money. You can get to work on some really uh, mad kind of projects and mad kind of brands. You can go all over the world and it can turn you into a bit of a dick. And you can be a complete prick even at the age of 23, 24 before you've got your first job because you think the world owes you something. So um, the reason, uh, sorry, my advice to people would be make yourself compelling. Don't make it hard for me to... If I have to spend any time thinking, how could this person fit in, then you've already lost me. However you write your application, however you write an email to me, however you... Some, sometimes it doesn't come from an email, sometimes things... I've, I've been de- delivered a flower before. A flower uh, was just delivered to the reception. And then two days later, I got an email from a girl saying, hope you got the flower, um, shall I come and water it for you? And it was like, brilliant, of course you're going to come. I have no idea whether you're a designer, whether you're a copywriter, whether you're going to try and sell me um, Viagra. I've no idea who you are. But come and, you know, it was just so inspiring, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so be compelling. Be, uh, find a way to make whatever you're trying to tell me interesting. And I would love to hear it. It's interesting because that's, that's exactly why we made this podcast to find out what people find interesting and, <laughs> and you, you answer it perfect perfect but sometimes another thing that it's hard for us to understand is what we actually want to do in life mm. and uh, maybe we'll like just bounce around a few things uh, we do one job two years and then what's your opinion about that like how, how much time do you have to lose until you actually need to settle down and boost your career You've got to take the time it takes you. I was, I got my first break in this industry when I was 26 years old, but that was my third career. I worked in a bank, I trained as a teacher, and then I kind of entered advertising. So I was 26, and even then I was still quite young. I was still quite early. I think um, it's really fucking difficult. I don't think any any way of school really prepares you for. Um, knowing what you're going to get out of, uh, not knowing what you're going to be good at and knowing what's going to interest you. I think uh, curiosity is the main thing and having the confidence to be curious. I think that's kind of one of the the scariest things for me now as a 42-year-old bloke with, you know, with a, with a house, with massive repayments every month, is like, what if I realize I'm interested in something else that I need to train? Because I'm kind of locked to where I am now. Um, I think that the you know pursue and enjoy the freedom you have when you're when you're studying and always allow yourself to be interested um, by other things. It's 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 so difficult. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't like to swap my position with my kids now. I I, I think it's even more difficult now because there's even more fucking opportunity. Um, so how do you do it? I don't know. You got to listen to. <laughs> Listen to you go again. You got to listen to what really stimulates you. In 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 that respect, you've got to find if something is interesting and it uh, and and it, and it makes you get out of bed every day. Then there's something right about it, and just go with it. And then maybe there's a career in it for you. And maybe 
if we can go back a little bit to that confidence and we, we touched it, we touched it that you can become a dick in whatever you are doing. Right? <laughs> yeah. But um, th- there's the thing like always you can hear those or read the articles like people are trying to seek the confidence. How can I get more confident or how can I be more confident? But let's let's turn it another way around. I can see sometimes and maybe it's may, maybe it's uh, on the it's pretty equal. People can get just so much over themselves. Like mm-hmm. so much of an ego. Mm-hmm. What would you say in, in this instance? Is is there like a, okay? They will. They will. One day they will smash the wall, and life will like show them what it's what it's all about. Or what would yeah. you say? This thing? I think yeah. Difficult again. I think that ultimately, if you work in an agency like uh, the one that we're sat in right now, where we're two hundred and sixty people, you have to. You you can't be too much of a dick because you because your job is as much about being brilliant and talented as it is about being able to cooperate with people and for them to find it easy to work with you um so there are places for dicks and there are places for of course for people who are gonna you know change the way we think and change the way we work um but that's not necessarily in you've got to be it's also like when you're at school when you're a kid you've got so much imagination and a lot of people say that school is a way to kind of comp- start training you to think like a robot and draining your, kind of suppressing your creativity and your imagination. Stop looking out the window, stop dreaming, look at your book, do those math sums, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that there's a danger, of course, in suppressing people. And, um, and I think going back to what you're saying is that, like, let them be a dick if they're going to change the world. Mm. Um, there's just, of course... If you're going to work with lots of other people, you've got to make sure you don't piss them off because <laughs> that's, you know, that's really, um, that's how a company can be successful is the way that people work together. I'm, I'm 15 marked... minutes late for a meeting. That's the only thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You should have like just called it off. Yeah. yeah. No right. problem. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. We'll no do problem. one more if you want. One more question. All right. So one more question. Late. One yeah. more quick question. And that's like another segment of, but you're kind of already answered it. So we're going <laughs> to just add another segment from the podcast. Yeah. Now yeah. on called the free cherry on the top. Yeah. It's got, it's going to be called Glenn from now on. Oh, is the, it? The Glenn. Yeah. Because the you're Glenn. the first one and you, yeah. you know, you, you, you kind of broke the ice. So the, the Glenn of the podcast is, that's it. You, you just Glenn it. Say one thing that. But what's it got to be about? It's, it's you. Uh, uh, and but I've no idea what this. Okay, <laughs> just uh, it. we um, as creators we need rules. We all the, right, the, all the right, biggest right. the biggest uh, the biggest fear is like um, or, or the, the 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 perceived fear is a tight brief. Uh, we want freedom. We want to be creative. No, you fucking don't. You have to have rules. Rules are like a ladder that you can climb up to get really, really high and to get to, to, to make sure uh, the, the idea that you've got is going to be brilliant. Um, so, uh, so don't give me that. Don't, don't say anything, say anything, because then I'm completely stuck. You need to give me rules and then, then we'll try and uh, get somewhere. Could that be my Glenn bit of advice or not? That, that is the Glenn bit of advice. <laughs> that is, that that, is, that is, that is exactly. <laughs> it was a tricky question, but uh, you got it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Glenn, for for this time, and we really appreciated this talk too. To be honest, you're Thank very, you. very welcome. It's been Thank loads you. of fun. It's really nice to meet you. It was awesome. Uh,